Thanks for tuning in to listen to the Drosh for this week's Parsha reading. Stay tuned after the Drosh for details on how to stay in touch with this ministry and keep up with all of our content. I hope you enjoy the message. What a beautiful day. Now we got to talk about leprosy. <laughs> Our portion is actually named Tazria, which is a woman who has brought forth. But our slice of it begins to talk about the Mitzorah, the leper. In the word Tazria, which is the name of our portion, we see the word seed, or sown, or sowing. And in the word Mitzorah, we see the word afflicted, or tribulation, or strife. So, we are indeed in the book concerning the Kohanim, the priests, and setting them apart for service, and setting all of Israel apart for service in the, in the tabernacle. And we today, as I said, are about to begin a new year. I checked the weather in Israel. It looks like it's spotable. The Chodesh is seeable. The new moon is seeable from Jerusalem and other parts of the country. So we should see it tonight, which will begin our new sacred year. Which means we're two weeks out from Passover. And I can't remember how long ago it's been that I took note of the fact that we Right before Passover, we go over all the requirements that God put on Israel to set them apart from all the other people, and we do that for about a month before Passover. And I don't think that's coincidence, especially those of us who worship Yeshua and consider him our Pesach, our Passover lamb. And the staunch warning that Shaul Paul gives to the, to the congregation 11, where he says not to partake of his body in an unworthy manner. In an unworthy manner is to have sinful conditions in our hearts and not be considerate of the body of Messiah. We're going to look a little bit into that. So we're right in the middle of the book about Kedusha, holiness or sanctification. And that whole book, which is called Vayikra, we see the remedy first, and then we see the sin. We see the remedy, the cure, if you will, and then we see all the things that make us unclean and not set apart. Tim, ah, you heard several times to me ah you heard all of those things several times in the reading that i just did and that is a direct opposite of kiddushah kadosh holy in the first seven chapters i went over this last week a little bit in the first seven chapters we get all the instructions instructions for the various types of offerings thank you that would be used to set apart Israel. So there were offerings that were used to set them apart. The tabernacle has just been finished. Abba is preparing Israel to serve in ministry, first in the ministry of the priesthood, and to do so on behalf of the whole world. The priesthood of Israel was not just for Israel, it was for the whole world to stay the hand of God's judgment. He details all the other offerings and sacrifices that are necessary to keep the tab tabernacle clean in chapters 1 through 7. In chapter 8 of Leviticus, we see some history. So, we have seven chapters of instruction. We get to chapter 8, and God interjects some instruction interwoven with some history. What I mean by that is, go and anoint the Kohen. Actually, first, go and dress the Kohen. And then in the next chapter, go and anoint the Kohen. So this is, and then it says, Moshe did what God said to do. Moshe did. That's the history that I'm talking about. He anointed Aaron. He anointed his sons. He dressed him. He dressed him, the priest. He anointed them. 
They're properly dressed, symbolizing garments of, garments of salvation and how we are supposed to look spiritually. Splendorous. And they are anointed. And that's a further setting apart. So all of Israel was set apart. But then the Kohanim are further set apart. There are levels of consecration. And you will go through those. That's what I believe Shaul is talking about. Paul, when he says, from one glory to the next. One level of consecration to the next. And that comes from your pursuit of God. Not, not based on your merit. Right. Based on perhaps your faithfulness to his word, but not based on your merit. The anointing itself was carried out with certain sacrifices and offerings. What I mean by that is coupled with anointing the Kohanim, they had to conduct another hatat and an olah, a sin offering and a burnt offering. I believe the hatat is depicted in Yeshua hanging on the tree. And I believe that the olah is depicted in Yeshua descending into the fires of purification, whatever they mean. We don't understand it. I don't pretend to understand it fully, but I know he did. Yeah. And I believe that's what the olah and the hatat symbolize for anointing. Because we cannot be anointed by God and be called Meshiachim, anointed ones, unless he has hung on the tree and gone through the fire. Amen. And we believe it. Amen. That chatat back then was consumed by the Kohanim, and in doing that, they subsumed sin. They got rid of it. They did away with it by eating of that sacrifice. The Olah is burnt. I personally believe this represents the fire of testing, the fire of purification. Yeshua walked through those fires in ways we will never understand. We who follow him, however, we follow him into death. And now we're living in the resurrection, but we go through fire in order to purify us and test us. It's how they make metal. You put it through fire and then they test it. If it's not good enough, they put it through fire again and they test it again. That's the process that you're going through. Anybody who's not going through that does not belong to God. Anybody that's just living a cakewalk does not belong to God. God did not leave us here so we can have roses and daisies and candy and popcorn all the time and never a problem. Those fires are necessary to help us understand what the anointing brings in our lives. Service, trials, affliction of the God kind for his purposes. Yaakov, James, chapter 1. This is Yeshua's brother who rejected him until he rose from the dead. He says, my brethren, take it as a joy to you when you enter into many and varied tests. For you know that the trial of Ebonah will increase your patience. And then Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 1. You are kept by the power of Elohim through absolute trust for the life eternal which is ready to be revealed in these last times. Wherein you will rejoice forever. Wherein what? Wherein life eternal you will rejoice forever. Though at present you are sorrowful for a while. Through diverse trials which have come upon you so that the proof of your absolute trust being much more precious than refined gold. What did I just say? You refined gold with fire. Amen. Your faith is more precious than refined gold, which has been purified by fire, so that it may be made manifest for the glory and honor and praise at the appearing of Yeshua HaMashiach, whom you have not seen, but whom you yet love, and in whose absolute trust you rejoice with exceeding joy that cannot be described, and you will receive the reward of your absolute trust, even life for your souls. That's a mouthful. That's a mouthful. But what the point that I'm trying to make 
is the trial. Yes. The purification that we're all going through. Yes. I know a lot is a burnt offering, and I believe that alludes to us as living sacrifices. Romine chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of Elohim, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, consecrated and acceptable, acceptable to Elohim by means of reasonable service. Do not imitate the way of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, that you may discern what is what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of Elohim? And of course, most believers look at that verse and think that they will be given some magical discernment of the Holy Spirit if they apply this scripture. And they don't understand that you may ex ex under discern that good and acceptable, perfect Torah of Elohim. His Torah is his will. It is expressed in his word. I was thinking as we were doing the, the liturgy and how passionate it feels that you guys are doing the liturgy. It's not just rote. That we're yearning, that we're calling out, that we're praying these prayers to God and asking him to move on our behalf in ways that we don't even understand. I know that's what I'm doing. I know that's what my wife is doing. And I feel like many of you are. And I was thinking about that. Israel prays the same prayers we do. Yes, they do. The few synagogues that I've been in, no passion. They don't understand the will of Elohim. They read the Bible, they don't understand it. A lot of Christians read the Bible, they don't understand it. They don't understand that God's will is clearly expressed on every matter regarding life and faith. It's clearly expressed. And it's that if. You know, the, the problem that I have with people who say that they understand the will of God is you go to this guy standing right next to him, he, he, he heard a different thing from God. And the guy over there heard a different thing from God. And the guy over there heard a different thing from God. And they're contrary to one another. Who's right? Will the real Holy Spirit please say it? <laughs> the Holy Spirit matches the word of God perfectly. Anything that is spoken in anybody's head that is contrary to his word is not God. Period. We are living sacrifices. Nadav and Abiyu did not understand it. That's, that's interjected. That's another, that's another piece of history that's interjected into our instructions on how to live a holy life is Nadav and Abiyu, the sons of Aaron. They didn't understand why they were annoyed. They saw it as probably something that they merited. They saw themselves as better than other people. They saw themselves as special. And they didn't see that they were thinking in the wrong light. People who are wrong don't know they're wrong. They don't believe they're wrong. They believe they're right. They trusted that what they were doing was, hey, we're cool. They offered strange fire and they were consumed by fire. We either go through fires of trials or purification, or we go into the lake of fire. Choose your fire. Adam and whose ashes were carried out of the camp, and the ones that did so had to take off their priestly garments too. Aaron was told, you shall not mourn for them. These are his sons, fathers of his grandchildren. Do not mourn for him. Do not tear your garment. Do not leave the tabernacle. Wow. That's, that's one thing that Yeshua was talking about. When he said, if you love father, sister, brother, child, more than you love me, you can't be mine. That's hard. That's hard. It's hard. Aaron had to do that. Then the two re replacement sons, Eleazar and Itamar, who replaced Adab and Abihu, bundled the next offering. <clears throat> they burnt it. How do you overcook a goat? <laughs> it was a hatat. And they burnt it. On the heels of Aaron losing his sons, he's thinking, I think I'll lose two more. 
Mm. And he says to Moshe, he pleads with him. I didn't write the words down exactly that he said, but you may have read. I just, he basically said, you realize what I just went through? It's basically what he said. And Moshe said, okay. But at first Moshe got angry. Ah, Aaron pleaded and said, there have befallen me such things as these. He just reminded him of what he just went through. So we get a little more history interjected into our instructions about righteousness, and then we then we see immediately a contrast. Actually, in those histories, we see a contrast between anointing and false anointing. And then we get back into instructions in chapter eleven. So our order was: we had the offerings. The anointing and dressing of the priesthood, the violation of the anointing, the accidental violation of service, and then the first thing after that is instructions on what to consume. And realize hey, most of the instructions that we've been given in the, in the 11 chapters leading, 10 chapters leading up to this, is all about food, holy food. You've got to remember this. Those animals were not killed for God's sake. He's not hungry. Those animals were killed for the propitiation of sins and to feed the Kohanim and the people who were there worshiping. It's food. And it's the food that sets them apart from all the other nations. So in chapter 11, they're told what to eat. And the description of the food is clean and unclean. That's concerning deliberately killed animals and creatures for both regular food and sacrifice, and also accidentally touching a dead animal or, or an accidentally killed animal. Carry on, my wayward son. <laughs> All of that is the stuff that is supposed to go into the body and the stuff that is not supposed to go into the body. But if you read that chapter carefully, and this is where a lot of messianics get wrong, and lost and judgmental. They don't see that in that chapter there is no sacrifice that's necessary if you goof up in eating fast food. There's not one blood offering required. The only thing, the only remedy for it is time and washing. That's it, because that was in concern, that was in regard to temple service. There's no eternal punishment. It's not about salvation. If, if, if you are accidentally served food or if you go to a public place and it's a little bit tainted with a little bit of pork, chill out. <laughs> you cannot escape the uncleanness of this world. You never will. There are Jewish people who have given up hope of eating kosher and they just go eat whatever, including bacon. Because they live in a corrupt world. I'm not, I'm not telling you to do that. What I'm telling you is, stop judging people about food. And that's exactly what Yeshua told the disciples. It's not what goes into your mouth that makes you unclean. It's not. And if Yeshua didn't, if, if Yeshua said that, and he wasn't talking about unclean food, then we're goofballs. I don't. I can't, I can't understand basic scripture. Are you with me? The uncleanness that the food in Leviticus 11 was talking about was uncleanness. Uh, what's the right word? Ceremonial uncleanness for the temple. Don't come into the temple if you've been defiled by food out there. A dead, a dead carcass. Carry on. Or you accidentally ate, or you ate something because you were hungry. This is what we talked about. If 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 it gets back, you know, the world is trying to make it where kosher food is hard to find. They are. I get that, but I'm not going to sit here and sweat it because God is not going to let me starve to death. And if I end up having to eat bacon because it's the only thing in front of me, guess what? I'm going to chow down on some bacon. 
Lou fix it for you. <laughs> if that's the last thing I gotta eat to keep alive, I'm fixing to eat it. Issue was said. Here's the only remedy necessary out of the Word of God for violating any of those laws of kashrut. If any beast of which you may eat dies, if he touches the carcass thereof, he shall be unclean until evening. That's it. And he that eats of the carcass of it shall wash his clothes. Eats of the carcass of it, of an unclean beast. Shall wash his clothes and be unclean until the evening. Is he going to hell? No. No. Has he ruined his testimony? No. no. He ate some meat. He might have been hungry. <laughs> he also that bears the carcass of it shall wash his clothes and be unclean until the evening. And that's it. No sacrifice required. That tells me this is not a salvation issue. It's a clean, it's a it's an outward cleanness issue. That's all it is. And I'll tell you what it's related to. Disease. That's what it's related to. It's to keep disease from spreading in Israel. And we understand because of modern science. And that was the reason, that was one of the first things that I did to become a messianic person. The first thing that I saw in the Word after having, I told you a few weeks ago, read the New Testament through on the submarine, ran out of stuff to read, go back to Genesis, get to Leviticus, read chapter 11, our portion, last week I think. Read chapter 11 and decide, hey, all of this stuff is bad for you anyway. I'm not going to eat it anymore. So I stopped eating bacon and shrimp and all that stuff because it made sense to my body. Right. So the external things that they understood back then, they didn't understand the internal things that these foods did to their bodies. Then in our in Leviticus, we get to two things that come out of the body. And the first one is another life. And that's what Tazria is, is a woman who gave birth. She's unclean. Why? Because she has spilled a whole bunch of blood. Yeah. That's why she's un It's not because she's a sinner. She has spilled blood. She has come closer to death than she ever will. And she needs to recover. And in order to recover, she has to be clean. And I've told you this before, it was Jewish doctors who finally influenced American and Western doctors to start washing their hands between giving birth from one moment to the next. And that's what stopped death rates in babies about 100 and 120 years ago. Right. Wow. Jewish doctors said, wash your dang hands before you go minister to another woman who's having a baby. And the, the mortality rate of women and infants went down. That's what it's about. She's unclean because of the blood. The life is in the blood. And for a male child, if she had a male child, she's unclean for seven days and has to go through sequestering for seven days and then remaining purification for 33 days. For a female child, it's two seven days, 14 days, two seven, and 66, so it's double. That's not sin, it's part, I personally believe it's part of the redemption of women from the curse of childbirth. The pain of it is part of their redemption. Are you with me? And she is to bring an olah and a chatat, the same thing for the anointing. A chatat and an olah. If she can't afford a lamb from a chatat, then she brings, okay, let me say this. A lamb for the chatat, a dove for the olah. If she can't afford the lamb, then a dove in, in a dove in the place of the chatat. Has everybody got that? Guess what? A woman doesn't have to do that anymore. Why? Because Yeshua is our He's our every offering. He is our every offering. He has redeemed our women. Of faith out from under the curse of God Aiden. Are you with me? 
The unclean part of it is the practical side of it, and that's what I just said. Washing, she has to go through that for scientific reasons. And that's also true of the eating of food. So in Yohanan, Mark goes, Mark chapter 7, this is where Yeshua was having that conversation with uh, Pharisees, religious leaders. There is nothing outside of a man if it should enter. Nothing. Yeah. Do I need to explain that word? <laughs> nothing. No outside of a man if it should enter him, which can defile him. No kosher food can defile you. No. It cannot. No. I'm sorry. No unkosher food <laughs> can defile you. Well, kosher in the sense of rabbinic kosher. <laughs> it can't defile you it does not defile you you keep kosher because it is good for you it is an example that Yeshua set and it's good for your body that's why you do it it's not a sin issue it becomes a sin issue if you just decide to eat pork all day long are you with me if you just decide willfully to go against the Torah but quit worrying about microbial measurements of pork in all your food <laughs> What goes out of him defiles the man. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's the way that reads. He who has ears, ears to hear, he will hear. It's not a permissive thing. The one who has ears to hear Yeshua on this matter will hear him. The people who are following rabbis won't. Realize it's rabbis that Yeshua is talking to here. Rabbis cannot get over it. They're so bent out of shape about kosher eating. Yeah. They get mad. They won't eat with Gentiles. They won't be friends with their neighbors. And Messianic people are that way too. Judgmental about the microbial smallest things. It's sad. His Talmudim asked him about that mashal, and he said to them, So even you find it hard to understand? Don't you know that whatever enters into a man from outside cannot defile him? Because it does not enter his heart, but goes into his stomach and then is thrown out through the intestines, thereby purifying food. It is what goes out of man which defiles the man. And that's the part that the Messianic community should be worried about. How are you speaking to your neighbor? That's the part that we should be worried about. Amen. For from within the hearts of men come evil thoughts, such as fornication, adultery, theft, murder, extortion, wickedness, deceit, lust, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evils come from within and they defile the man. Those are the things that we need to be worrying about and preaching about. Yes. That's it. You don't need to be counseling Christian friends to become kosher. You're trying to be the Holy Spirit. You ain't that guy. You don't have that kind of power. And by the look of it, it doesn't look like there's a a very big measure of the rule in you if that's all you're worried about. And I'm not speaking to anyone in here in particular. If you're, if you're sitting there worried about your toes, I didn't have your toes in mind as a target, I promise. <laughs> Food is concerning the body, not the soul. For practical and medical reasons, God told us not to eat it. And it's simply done because of righteousness. So we do it. Yes. But it's not going to ruin our walk if we are slightly contaminated. It's not. In the tabernacle, it was for practical reasons, and I think it goes back to disease. Some people in the Messianic community link kosher eating to salvation, just like people in the Christian community link tongues to salvation. It has nothing to do with it. 
our Christian brothers are not going to perish because they're not kosher. It's foolish. It's foolishness. And the messianic person has to understand you are saved by the blood of Yeshua and your trust in him is death, burial, and resurrection or you're not saved at all. If that's not enough, you're not saved. Uncleanness in the Levitical sense does not mean a loss of salvation. If that were true, every woman who is who has born a child and is a believer in the Messiah would would die in her uncleanness because they haven't had they haven't gone through the, the rituals of seven days of sequestering, thirty-three days of purification, sixty-six days of purification, and then a mikvah afterwards. How many of you women did that after your children were born? You're all going to hell. That's the thinking that some people have. They don't realize that what, what the fault in their logic is. So now we get to our portion concerning leprosy. Leprosy also comes out of the body. And we may surmise, and I do think this is true, that the reason that these things came in that order are because the, the messing up on the sacrifices and bringing those unclean things into the tabernacle would have brought them the physical diseases that we're about to read about. Are you with me? Mm -hmm. So I think that's why they came in that order. Is that clear? Yeah. Leprosy, however, is a physical representation of a spiritual affliction, or it can be. And I do believe that in the case of Miriam and in the case of Naaman, who was in our Hathara portion, I do believe that in those cases, those leprosies were presented to indicate the spiritual condition of people for a particular reason. Most of you know where I'm going with this. Bar chapter 12, Numbers chapter 12. And Miriam and Aharon spoke against Moshe because of the Cushite woman whom he had married. He had married a Cushite woman. And they said, Has Yahweh indeed spoken only with Moshe? Has he not also spoken with us? And Yahweh heard it. Moshe was the one chosen. Moshe was the one who labored with God. He went up in the mountain who suffered the, 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 up to that point in Numbers chapter 12, 10 rebellions from the Jewish people. And he gets through another rebellion and he gets, and, he, and, and he's not doing anything. He's not doing anything except going into his tent with his Cushite wife every night. And they let their mouth get a hold of him. They let the spirit get a hold of their tongues. And they open, them, they open their mouths against their own brother. And one that God chose to lead the congregation. Because what they said was true. God had spoken to Miriam and Aharon. That was a truth. But that doesn't mean that you have the right to consider yourself equal to a person who was anointed for something else. Are you with me? And Yah is angry. He heard it. And he says, I can see, I can remember doing this in my house. I remember it being done in my house. Something happens between the kids. Dad says, come here. If you read that portion in Numbers 12, that's exactly what happens. I'm going to talk to the three of you. Come here. And he talked to him and he said, Moshe, I speak to you face to face. And when the cloud was removed from over the Oed, behold, Miriam was leprous, as white as snow. And Aaron looked up upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said unto Moshe, My oh, my master, lay not, I pray, sin upon us, for that we have done foolishly. 
that we have sinned. So Aaron was a flip flop. He was back and forth. He allowed people to lead him into sin. He repented quickly, but he allowed people to lead him into it. Let her not, I pray, be as one dead, of whom the flesh is half consumed and comes out of his mother's womb. It's interesting to me that we have Tazria and Metzora paired together as a pair of partial readings. And we're reading about Miriam's leprosy, and Aaron mentions the womb. That's right. We understand this to have been Lashon Hara, the evil tongue. And it brings living death. When we speak evil against another person, we bring living death. Because you're trying to bring death into their life, you bring it on your own life. Mm -hmm. Living death. You know, everybody today is fascinated with being zombies. Guess what? They are in the spirit. Right. They're rotting spiritually. In Tazria, we see the word seed. And in Metzora, we see the word afflicted or tribulation. A seed of gossip brings tribulation. Tiny little seed of it brings tribulation. I do believe that had they not cleaned up women, then leprosy could have been a cause because they were in the baking summer. They couldn't bathe every day. They wore clothes. They, they wore clothes over all their flesh that the blood would have gotten into. And, and so that's why the leprosy can get in the, the cloth itself. Are you with me? So I do believe that there was a connection between birth and leprosy. That's just me. I can't prove it scientifically. Don't know. Never read anything about that. That's just me. I believe there's a connection there. And I think spiritually, it brings affliction in your life if you run your mouth. Miriam didn't know she was afflicted. Realize that? She didn't know. The only remedy for that separation and time and washing. I'm talking about leprosy. Those are the remedies. To get rid of it. And then once you're rid of it, then the doves and the ceremony of the Tola Achini. You with me? We'll get into that next week because that's our portion. Metzora is our portion next week. But we are supposed to put Lashon Hara out of the camp. And if that doesn't happen, the camp has to move away from the Lashon Hara. Separation has to happen. And if the, if the evil speaking tongues won't deal with the evil speaking tongues, then those who are righteous have to leave. For the sanctity of the body. And the problem with with multiple people getting caught up in it and not doing anything about it is they don't know they're in it and they don't know they're leprous and they go on and they rejoice. <laughs> because the, the individual has to be, they have to be isolated. There was there were leper colonies outside of the cities in Israel. Alright? And that's that wasn't because of any particular sin. Are you with me? There was we're talking the difference between physical and spiritual. I'm assuming everyone's tracking me, right? Yeah, <laughs> the remedy for kosher eating was only time and washing. The remedy for leprosy was time, separation, washing, and a sacrifice. That tells me that in, the, in that case, it goes down to a soulish level. In our portion, the first part of the remedy is being seen. I'm talking about the remedy for leprosy. is being seen by the Kohen, by the priest. 
over and over and over, the Kohen has to inspect to see whether or not the lepr leprosy is still there. Investigating whether or not the Mitzorah is clean in the smallest undetectable places. If there's any stain of leprosy on his body, he's still not clean. He may think he is, but he's still not clean. He only comes back into the camp when the Kohanim examine him and declare him clean, and then the sacrifice is offered. This is how I view reconciling with people who have committed Lashon Hara against me. I examine them. If I don't see any, any evidence of cleanliness from those events, stay away from me. And people think I'm hard, people think I'm just unforgiving, people think I'm just a you know, hard-headed dictatorial leader. It has nothing to do with any of those things. I know what Mishon Harad does, I know how it affects the body, and I don't want it to touch me anymore, and I'm not going to fellowship with them until it's taken care of. <laughs> Look at our brief Harashah portion. It came to pass while Yeshua was going to Yerushalayim, he went through Shomron. That's Samaria, that's where the ten northern tribes live. It's towards the Galilee. When he drew near to enter a village in Samaria, he was met by ten lepers. They stood afar off and they lifted up their voices, saying, O oh, Yeshua, Adonai, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the Kohanim. While they were going, they were cleansed. But one of them, when he saw that he was cleansed, turned back. With a loud voice, praised Elohim. He fell on his face at the feet of Yeshua, thanking him. And this one was a Shomroni, the one whom the Jewish people would, would have called a dog. Right. A half-breed, part Israel, part Assyria. This is the people that are the northern tribes of Israel. They are the remnant of the northern tribes of Israel. No one else, any claim to being a northern tribe of Israel today is insanity. That one was the only one who came and looked and allowed his Cohen yeah. to see him because Yeshua was the priest he should have been worried about. Are you with me? Yeah. People today are so worried about getting it right between man, they don't realize you're not going to the right place. Yeah. Leprosy is linked to the tongue. I'm talking about Miriam. Her leprosy was directly linked to the tongue, and the concept of Lashon Hara comes from that episode. And it was specifically against Moshe's anointing. I believe that Lashon Hara, that we have to really most concern ourselves with, is when we talk against brethren in the family of God, and it happens way too much. And guess what? Etzbaot Laot is the same thing. Evil fingers are equal to e evil tongues. You're sitting there typing on a keyboard. Oh. <laughs> it's still a shown rot. You are speaking with your fingers, Maureen. You should have fingers and then you figure it out. Sins of the tongue are the hardest things to conquer. It's the hardest things to conquer. It brings a scurvy on the body when we don't have control over it. So I'm going to read this, and I'm, I'm reading it to myself probably more than I am anybody. Because I know I'm pursuing God, and I know that I'm not fool enough to think that I haven't violated that at some point in my life. I know how much I thought. But I can tell you this, I don't talk about people. I don't do it. But I want to use my tongue for good. I want to conquer my flesh. 
And this is what Yaakov says about the tongue in regard to flesh. For in many things we all stumble. Anyone who does not offend in word, this one is a perfect man, and able also to subdue his whole body. That's Yeshua. He's the only one who can do that. We have to strive for that, though. Behold, we put bits in the mouths of horses, and then they obey us. We turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships. Great as they are, when driven by severe enemies, they are turned about through the very small rudder. Wherever the pilot wishes, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Likewise, a small fire. Any wonder they used fire. Set to blaze large forests. The tongue also is a fire. In the sinful world of forest. Think about that. The sinful world is a forest. That very tongue, while it is among our members, can defile our whole body. People are so worried about kosher food and they're not worried about that thing between their teeth. And they set on fire the course of our generations. Which have rolled down from the beginning. And in the end, it, it the tongue, is consumed by fire. Every kind of beast and of birds and creatures of the sea and the land are under the subjugation of the will of man, but the tongue no man can tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. By it we bless Yahweh and Ha'ah. I'm going to read that in Hebrew. Ba, by it, Ba, Mevarachim, we bless, Mevarachim Adam, we bless, Et, Yahweh, Ve, Ha'ah. Yahweh and the Father. So we're praising Yeshua and God our Creator with our tongue, and by it we curse, which is to reduce or degrade men who are made in the image of Elohim. Out of the same mouth proceed curses and blessings, my brethren. These things ought not to be so. Can there spring forth from the same fountain both sweet water and bitter water? And I've taught you this. When Shaul or Kepha or Yaakov or one of the Shalikim, a Jewish person, teacher of the scriptures, asks a question and doesn't answer it, the answer is obvious. For vine, figs, in other words, can a, can a grapevine produce figs? Or can salt water be made sweet? Who is wise among you and has training? Let him prove his words by his good deeds in the humbleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying among you or strife in your hearts, do not boast and do not lie against the truth. We do that all the time. I've been praying, you know, I've suffered offenses. And I've been, I don't want anything in my heart held against me. I don't. And I, I have forgiven and I move on and I, I, I have not spoken anything about anybody, but I don't want there to be one thing in me that would speak something on someone else's soul, especially someone who believes in Messiah. This wisdom does not come from above. What wisdom? The one that The one that allows a tongue to do whatever it wants. But it's earthly, sensual, demonic. For where, wherever envy and strife are, there is confusion and every sort of evil. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then full of shalom, and is gentle, obedient, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of Zedekah is sown in shalom by peacemakers. Maybe some of the trials we go through are to test us in regard to our tongue. You think? Oh, for sure. 
I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of Elohim, that you present your bodies, which includes your tongue, as a living sacrifice, consecrated and acceptable to Elohim by means of reasonable service. Use it to praise God, not to curse people. Cursing does not mean abracadabra, abracadabra. Yeah. Africa focus, focus cadaver. <laughs> Cursing means to diminish someone with your mouth. Do not imitate the way of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, that you may discern what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of Elohim. So Sort of as a punctuation, I'm just going to read five verses from Taylor 103. By David, bless Yahweh, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his consecrated name. Bless Yahweh, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity and who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who encompasses you with compassion and tender mercies, who satisfies your old age with good things. So that your youth, your youth is renewed like a heat. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to listen to the Drosh for this week's Parsha. In the description, you'll find all the links to our websites and social media content. Please make sure you're subscribed to our podcast as we can be found on all major podcast platforms. If you feel compelled to support this ministry, please feel free to do so by donating via the Get the Word Out link in the description. All proceeds go toward growing this platform and the Mikdash Mayot ministry. Until the next time, we pray God blesses you with Shalom in the name of Yahweh Yeshua Mashiach.